This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Three games, three wins, and one of five teams still undefeated. Sounds good. Sounds very good. Didn't always look good, though, this past Sunday. Cardinals get the job done in Jacksonville, beating the Jaguars 31-19. to And gentlemen, I had some difficulty processing what I saw at times versus the outcome versus the final numbers. But at the end of the day, Kyle, all that matters, as A.J. Green said postgame, is that this team is 3-0. and Well, that's exactly right. You don't ever apologize for a win, no matter what it looks like. Um, You know, that's two weeks in a row. Uh, Probably got lucky two weeks ago, and this one didn't play our best football, uh, but still won. And quite frankly, it just kind of felt like watching the game, it was just a matter of time until we got it going, until um, kind of reality set in that we need to pick it up, we need to start making plays. The offense kind of got some rhythm there in the second half. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not all going to be like the Titans games. You know, that's it's kind of what happens when your expectations get real high. Anything short of that type of performance feels a little disappointing. Um, but this is what uh, championship teams do. Um, they face adversity, they rise up, and they find a way to win games. The more talented team won, MJ. At the end of the day, that's what happened. Yeah, and you know, all week was, you know, is this a trap game? Because obviously you're playing the Rams the following week, and, and the players know from last year, you know, they were 2-0, and and they lost to the Lions. They should have won that game on a field goal, and then they go to Carolina. So hopefully they've learned something for that because, as Kyle pointed out, it's the NFL, and the Jaguars will win some games this year. It's just, you know, they're still kind of finding their oats. I thought, you know, Lawrence actually looked better than he had in the first two games. So, again, it's a road win, um, East Coast. We're not talking about the early start, so that's a good thing. Cardinals led at the end of the first quarter. They trailed, though, at halftime and by as much as nine points late in the third quarter. But the offense, the defense stepped up, and the Cardinals get the win 31-19. to Afterwards, head coach Cliff Kingsbury about beating the Jaguars on the road. We like to make it interesting, there's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, at the end of the first half, you don't face many moments of uh, momentum change as great as that. And I thought the guys did a tremendous job at, at halftime, really settling in, having good conversations about what we need to do in the second half and coming out and, and executing on a high level. All right, take me into that locker room, Kyle. As a former player, you're lining up to attempt a go-ahead field goal to give yourself some momentum going into the locker room, maybe up 10-7, if at worst tied at 7. Yet, in a matter of seconds, you're walking into that locker room and you're down 6 points because of a kick 6. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it, The move's been talked about a lot. The decision's been talked about. Um, from a personal standpoint, before it happened, I hated it. Um, you know, there's a formula, and, and I've been on that side of it, where you're playing a team that has more talent, a team that's explosive, that's better than you, 
and it is keep the ball away from them um, and force them to make mistakes. So now when you're the better team and you are playing a less talented team and you should, by all rights, win that game, um, you just don't give them any life. You don't give them opportunities. Um, you know, there's um, – I, I don't know the odds of, of Prater making that. I know he's got a tremendous leg. It would have been an incredible kick. And, and in, you know, in all reality, it was really close. Um, but that was a, a, the type of spark that can cause a less talented team to beat a more talented team. And, and especially going into the locker room at halftime, those big plays going into half gives you some life, gives you momentum, makes you feel like here we are, we've got this opportunity, we just got to put it together for two more quarters. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't like the move, but, um, you know, the, in the end, you know, another 30 minutes, it showed that the Cardinals were the better team. It just took some time to settle down. And to compound that, MJ, you come out of the locker room, you get the ball, and Kyler Murray throws an interception. And at that point, as I watch it, and it's like, really? I mean, this is this is not happening. Now, as we saw, it didn't happen. But there were some moments there early in that second half that I'm sure a lot of fans scratching their heads going what's going on here offense defense and special teams well the good news is he threw the pick in the end zone so it's not like he threw a pick six or they had the ball at midfield and so yeah that's not ideal you know all four of his interceptions have come from inside the pocket this year Um, you know we'll get into some of the details of how he's improved from a year ago so Kyle let me ask you this take a knee do you try a Hail Mary there I mean or just going to half because they did have two timeouts left after that yeah to me honestly the the sequence was questionable um you know to, to run the ball on the play before that why, why not take a couple of shots at the sideline try to pick up uh 15 20 yards and then if you don't you go into halftime and you know, kind of gather and and reformulate your game plan. Um, I didn't really understand that the you know the run up the middle. I didn't know um, if they were trying to surprise him and get it break something up the middle. But um, you know that that was a little bit questionable to me. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I think you kind of take your lumps going to halftime. You you kind of regather your thoughts, come up with a game plan because you know one thing you know especially. In the Minnesota game, um, particularly defensively, but the defense was playing fine in the first half. But they do a great job of adjusting and and making the appropriate adjustments in the second half, and, and come out and, and play better. So you know that's probably what I would have done. But um, you know I'm I, I don't get paid to make those decisions. I'm a volunteer coach that plays ultra conservative. So bottom line, <laughs> it did not cost the Cardinals the kick six or Murray's interception because the defense forced a three and out and the offense responded with a Matt Prater field goal to cut it to 13-10 and then we know what happened after that. There was the James Robinson touchdown but in the second half, Cardinals outscored the Jaguars 24-6 to to pick up that third win of the season. A lot's mentioned after the ball game about that type of a win. Would this team have been able to do it in year one or year two under head coach Cliff Kingsbury? Well, here's the head coach on just that subject. Yeah, I'd say the last two years we wouldn't have been walking out of here with a W. So I think we're, we're growing up. We brought in some great veteran leadership that really doesn't blink in, in adverse situations. And we got a lot of improving to do prior to next week, plan our division in the L.A. Rams. So we got to get better. You buy that, MJ, that if you're – Cliff Kingsbury as a first-year head coach or even in year two, you get into that situation and you're just not able to stop that ball rolling. Yet, that's exactly what they did on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the 
I think the message was sent that, you know, really they haven't accomplished anything. They've, they've set themselves up to now get inside of the division, and the schedule is going to get a little bit more difficult over the next three or four games, or at least three games. So, yeah, you know, hopefully they learn from last year because that would have been disappointing. Uh, not so much Jacksonville losing to them. It's just the fact that rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, you would think, as you pointed out as we started the postgame show on Sunday, the talent won this game in the end. So hopefully they learn from it. But I know people look at these games and they're like, oh, they're going to win that game. It's the NFL. Those guys get paid too. And again, there's going to be a game where maybe you don't get off to a good start, but at least we know this team's learned how to finish and they're putting points up. I mean, they're second in the league in points, so that's not going to be an issue this year. Well, I was guilty of that. I was one of those guys raising my hand and saying, there's no way, there's no reason to lose this game on the road, even with an early kickoff early in the season. Yet, we have that adage, any given Sunday, things do happen. Fortunately for the Cardinals, it did not. A lot went right, a lot went wrong. At the end of the day, you look at the numbers, Kyle, and offensively, Three straight games now. First time in franchise history that this club has put up at least 30 points and 400 yards of offense in every single game to begin a season through those three games. And then defensively, Jacksonville had 12 possessions. The defense only allowed two touchdowns. Yet, as we're going to discuss here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, there are still some leaking. There's some there's some areas that are leaking within that defense. And I think we did kind of get spoiled a little bit week one, but I'll go back to what J.J. Watt said as he walked off the field in Nashville. Not a surprise. That was expected. So now all of a sudden I'm expecting that each and every week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you do expect that. I mean, because it was complete and utter dominance against a good team week one, and and the Titans have shown they're a good team uh, since then. Um, you, You know, I think what this game does is it does a lot for especially the young players in that locker room. Um, you know, when I was with the Cardinals, um, you know, we struggled and we had some good players, but you know, bad teams find different and unique ways to lose. And you'd hear you talk about an adage, and I heard this a lot when I was here. It's just the same old Cardinals. You know, they show glimmers of hope, but they find ways to lose. And it's something like a team, another one of my former teams, the Detroit Lions, are going through this Sunday. They did everything right to win that game, and then they lose on a record-setting kick. Uh, but it's not the same old Cardinals. It's not the Cardinals that are going to face adversity and crumble. And, you know, like you said, the ball just keeps rolling in mistake after mistake after mistake, especially in late-game situations, cost this team games. This, if anything, is is encouraging. You know, the fact that they didn't dominate, that they had struggles, that there was kind of some freakish-type plays and they didn't hang their heads, and they didn't sulk, and they didn't feel sorry for themselves. They went out, they responded, and they stepped up, and they won the football game. And you can go back to this game, MJ, later in the season, Week 10, Week 12, whenever, and point to this if they get into the similar situation. Look, we've been here, we've overcome, we can do it again. Yeah, and it, you know you always want to scratch out a few road wins, and here we are after three games, and they beat they went on the road and beat Tennessee and, and now Jacksonville, and of course you want to take care of business at home. But at the same time, you know, I just like the way this offense, it's not going to be perfect, but it's night and day from the last couple of years. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like the Dave Pash Podcast, Cardinals Underground, Cardinals Cover 2, The Big Red Rage, and of course this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Speaking of the defense, the good and the bad, and highlighting a third-year defensive back who has come into his own 
and is the true number one corner for this Arizona Cardinals team. Byron Murphy, we'll talk about him next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun snap, Lawrence, three-step drop, open in the pocket, fires across the middle, it's intercepted, it was deflected and picked off by Byron Murphy. Lawrence takes, turns, gives to Hyde, it's a flea flicker, pitching it back to Lawrence, he's in trouble, jump ball pass, picked off near side by Murphy at the 30, running it back to the left of the 20-10-5, touchdown, Byron Murphy after a horrible mistake by the rookie with a pick six, and the Cardinals are back in front. 23-19. Byron Murphy was all over that. That's a great read by a young guy coming of age. No question about it. Byron Murphy with his best game of his young Cardinals career. Four tackles, two interceptions, that pick six, and two passes defense. The first multi-interception game of his career helping the Cardinals beat the Jaguars 31-19 as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Rio, Lou, Kyle Vandenbosch, and Mike Jarecki. And let's go back to the offseason, MJ, because it was your question to defensive coordinator Vance Joseph asking about the depth and the newcomers at the cornerback position. And before Coach Joseph went into that, he had a few words to say, and that was, it starts with Murphy meaning Byron Murphy is our guy when we talk cornerback, and that was in June. We're now seeing it here in September. Yeah, and you know, if you go back to week one when they tried that flea flicker, he was out of position here. He said he was able to see the running back, kind of he was going to pitch it back to the quarterback and Lawrence there, so he darted out to get the guy he was supposed to cover. So just a mistake in week one. Two weeks later, he gets that interception. Yeah, he's, he's physical. Um you know, he was thrown in the mix when Patrick Peterson was suspended for those six games. Robert Alford got hurt before the season started, and it wasn't ideal. But going back to week one, it wasn't too big for him or Marco Wilson to cover Julio Jones or A.J. Brown. I think his football IQ is off the charts, and he is a number one cornerback on this roster. Had three passes defensed in week one. Total now five passes defensed, two interceptions this season. Kyle, what have you seen from Byron Murphy, maybe even going all the way back to his Scottsdale Saguaro days and then Washington and now three seasons into his NFL career? Yeah, he's an incredibly smart, instinctive player. And, you know, what I saw, especially, yeah, I was surprised by those comments also from Vance Joseph, um, just praising him and then watching him in the preseason. The way he transitions from a backpedal and then the ball is thrown and closes on receivers, um, you know, his his speed, um, his recognition, and, you know, he and the rest of the defensive backs, the way, how physical they are and, and how well they tackle. Um, that's been a huge plus for this team through three games, and it's going to serve this team well. The fact that um, you know they're willing to stick their nose in there, they're willing to shoot on a big running back, they're willing to make and able to make those open field tackles that a lot of teams, you know, their corners are just there to cover. And if they get a running back out in the open field, um, you know, it's about a 50-50 shot whether they're getting them down. But how many missed tackles have you seen from any of these defensive backs this year? I mean, quite frankly, after week one, I think the secondary has been the strength of this defense. You know, I, I still uh, optimism about the front seven. 
Uh, but you look at Murphy when he was drafted, he was going to be a slot guy. And normally when you have a number one corner, he can do a lot of different things. It's based on how their defense is set up. If teams are going to 11 personnel, likely he'll have the number one wide receiver. Marco Wilson could play inside. Alford could play on the other side. So he really gives him a lot of flexibility uh, with positional where he can move inside or outside. His first interception was helped set up by Jordan Hicks separating Jacob Hollister from the football, and that was the second interception of the season for the Cardinals' defense. Now in the second half, the pick six, here is Murphy describing what he saw on that play. You know, I knew a shot was going to come. I saw the ball in the running back's hand, and then he pitched it back, and I just turned my head and ran. Uh, and Thank God the ball came to me, got the pick. Now, as MJ noted, this was the second time that Byron Murphy had a flea flicker thrown his direction. And Kyle, this is something that you like to see out of young players, and maybe not even a young player, but just any player that if you lose or get burned on a play or one play doesn't work, if the same play comes up again later on in the game or in the season, you recognize it, you realize your mistakes, you correct your mistakes, and you have a different results. And in this case, Byron Murphy caught the football, got the interception, and returned it 29 yards into the end zone. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just recent history, a, a guy like Malcolm Butler, you know, turned it into being a Super Bowl hero and, you know, really got himself a lot of money from a play like that. The fact that he messed up that play in practice, learned from it, and made a huge play. And that's what good players do, right? They don't, you know, if they're in the wrong place, if they see the wrong thing, if they make a mistake, they're able to correct it. So, um, it doesn't happen again. And, and that play in particular, I mean, as a Cardinals fan, the fans that have been chewing their nails off that entire game because of the way the game was going, that's when you felt like, okay, now we've got it, right? Now we've got this game in the bag. This, you know, That's what we needed. And that's what, that's what good players, especially particularly defensive players, do. Um, and I've been on that field, and, it, it, and you just feel like somebody just needs to make a huge play to swing this momentum. And that's what happened. And, you know, the, the Cardinals at that point felt like they were going to win. And Jacksonville at that point felt like they were defeated. And that was, that was the type of, you know, huge, emotional, exciting play that this team needed at that moment in the game. Yeah, Cardinals take a 24-19 lead on that play and go on to win 31-19. More from Murphy about what the Jaguars saw or what the Cardinals' defense showed to the Jaguars' offense. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, you know, as a as us knowing he's a rookie quarterback, just you know, disguising, uh, making it look like we're in, you know, too high, one high, anything like that. But just making like disguising the quarterback, make his reads look different, and see if he can uh, beat us on that. Now, after the Murphy pick six, the Jaguars had three more possessions. They went three and out and fumbled on their final two possessions. So that was the good for the defense. They had four takeaways. The bad, and I know what Coach Vance Joseph's going to say when he addresses the media this week, it's the run defense. 159 yards on the ground, Kyle. That's five and a half yards a carry this season. The run defense, 5.41 yards every time someone carries the ball past the line of scrimmage numbers that don't look good yet on Sunday much of what the Jaguars did occurred on one drive James Robinson 66 yards on a 75 yard drive in which eight plays all on the ground yeah that was a frustrating drive and you know up to that point it kind of felt like they fixed uh, a lot of the problems they had against Minnesota um, but then they they reared their head there. Um, you know, I think um, you know a lot of our discussion and discussion uh, before the season was how are we going to play two young inside backers? Well, you know, the talk was with this front, 
um, you know, they will make it easy for them. They will make plays up front. They will be in their gaps, and it'll be able to declare easily. Um, and you know, the front needs to play better. Um, you know, you're through three games. Um, you know, JJ Watt has flashed. Um, but, you know, J.J. Watt has six tackles. Corey Peters has six tackles. Um, Michael Dogby has five. You know, you expect those numbers to be higher through three games. You expect J.J. Watt to have a couple of sacks at this point. I mean, Michael Dogby is the only one with the sack on the inside. So, um, you know, I think if there's any area of the defense, I think the linebackers have played well. I think, like uh, Mike was talking about, the DBs have played outstanding. I think the, the front – um, particularly the inside players um, need to be more stout, need to make more plays in the run game and, and kind of stop that bleeding because um, especially in this division, there's very capable running backs and very capable run schemes that if, if we show that it's a weakness, um, they're going to take advantage of it. Interesting that you talk about, you know, the line should have more tackles because if you look at it, I mean, Jordan Hicks, I mean, he had a 91.5 grade. Uh, I'm so thrilled that he's here. But along those lines, though, when you look at the tackles after games, it's all coming from the secondary. Yeah. Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson's become a much better open field tackler. Isaiah Simmons, uh, you throw in Robert Alford, Wilson, and Murphy. So when you see this stat sheet afterwards, they are getting to the second layer a little bit, but they're also coming up and run support, and they're tackling well in the open field. Yeah, that's the big thing. The concerning thing is, is a lot of those tackles aren't happening necessarily in the box. They are happening, you know, ten, twelve yards downfield at times. Which, you know, we talk about off the air. It's, it's, it, it, thank, thank the Lord we have two safeties that are amazing tacklers because particularly in that Minnesota game. Um, you know, it was one-on-one in the open field, and they got him down every time. Now, when you look at the game, either as it's happening or after the fact, as far as correcting what's going on with the run defense, even though big picture, as we chronicled, it was one specific drive, but that drive certainly was concerning. What is happening easily or things need to happen differently? Is it easily corrected, or does something else need to happen for Coach Joseph to make some tweaks? It, it can be corrected, and and um, you know we have the dogs to do it up front. It's not like we're you know looking at guys that can't fix these guys. A lot of these guys have done it before. Um, you know what what I saw. Um, it's really zone blocking for the most part, and guys just taking chances and trying to you know jump around blocks. You know it's to be a good defense. You know yeah, sometimes you take risks. Sometimes you jump around a block and you make a huge play for a tackle for a loss. Um, but you know you've got to make sure you've got your gap. Even if you jump around a block, you've got to close around the backside quickly, um, because you know running backs in this league will find the smallest hole, and they will find you if you try to get or if you try to, if you get out of your gap, if you get scooped, if you get reached, that running back will see it in a heartbeat, and they will take advantage of it. Yeah, Craig. Based on that one drive, but go back to the Minnesota game. They were getting gashed. I mean, right now they're ranked 29th, uh, giving up 140 yards a game on the ground. Now we know over the course of the year that should get a lot better, and hopefully they can get Jordan Phillips back at some point. Uh, maybe Dennis Gardeck comes back, so you add some more players. But that's they got to tighten that up. And the disappointing thing for me was 12-yard run. 15-yard run, 18-yard run. He ended up scoring a six-yard touchdown, Robinson, but it was like they're getting to the second layer, and that's what they were focusing on going into that game. He only had 16 carries in the first two games. And after that drive, Robinson, or if you take away those six carries, nine carries for 22 yards the rest of the game, minus that drive, 
in which it was, yeah, concerning to say the least. The Dave Pash Podcast, Episode 9, available now featuring special guest Jason Wright, former Cardinals running back and current president of the Washington football team. Episode 10 premieres Wednesday with ESPN and ABC College football announcer Kirk Herbstreet. Follow along via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at HashPod. We are halfway through here. The Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals go with three tight ends to the right. Murray under center first and go from the four. Quick pitch, running right. Connor heading for the end zone and in for the touchdown. James Connor from four yards out. Great response by the Cardinals. They're within three with a minute 21 to go in the third. Murray just gives to Connor up the middle. Over the top, he dives and he's in for the touchdown. James Connor with his second score of the day, and the Cardinals lead it 30 to 19. That's the way you get down and you get dirty. First two touchdowns as a member of the Arizona Cardinals, James Connor. Two rushing scores sandwiched around the Byron Murphy pick six, helping the Cardinals beat the Jaguars 31-19 to as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Rio, Lukov, Anibosh, and Mike Jarecki looking at those two runs. That's the second run, Kyle, that I like because, one, Kyler Murray was under center, and two, James Conner just ran straight ahead. As we say, the quickest way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. Okay, he angled a little bit to the left with some good blocking from DJ Humphreys and Darrell Daniels, but a power run game with a guy who is familiar with that from his Steelers days, but nothing wrong with running between the tackles. No, and that's exactly why he's here, right? We needed a running back that could put his head down and get us into the end zone or get us the third and one or keep the chains moving in in a four-minute drill, and that's the type of back that James Conner has been in this league, and that's the type of back he was this past Sunday. Um, You know, I see a lot of the reason for um, our red zone success this year is you have a quarterback that can run. I mean, you look back at when Cam Newton is with the Panthers – Uh, When you have a quarterback that can pull it down like Kyler has done multiple times this year and run it into the end zone, you got to account for that. And James Conner's first touchdown was up the middle. Well, that was because the first touchdown was Kyler Murray, you know, rolling out and running it in. So you can't just keep everybody in the box and fill up all the gaps. You've got to have two edge defenders that have to watch the quarterback on any play down in that red zone. And that's a huge weapon, and it's an added factor that defenses have to think about. Cardinals right now are ranked 10th in rushing, uh, 84 attempts, 28 uh, attempts per game, 330 yards, averaging about 110, however, only 3.9. But they do have five rushing touchdowns, though. And the success running the football inside the red zone. Correct. Overall, this Cardinals team, 10 of 13 scoring touchdowns when they get inside the 20-yard line. DJ Humphreys asked and answered. About that topic. But once we get close to that box, we can smell it. You know what I mean? And everybody's will increases, and nobody, nobody's accepting defeat. You know what I mean? We're trying to get points. We want seven. We get that, get them three, we'll take them. But we want them seven. And everybody, that's the mindset of everybody that's on that field, all 11 men. So when you get in that mode, it's, it's hard to stop. Like I said, we got so many weapons. And weapons that include DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, and Rondell Moore. Green scoring his first career touchdown for the Cardinals in the red zone when that was a week ago against the Vikings and then you look at what Green and Christian Kirk did on Sunday in Jacksonville keep in mind no passing touchdowns but Kyle you had two receivers Green and Kirk with over 100 receiving yards 
Kyler Murray over 300 yards passing, but no passing touchdowns. And I do think it shows that this team is capable of running the football and that balance that every head coach wants, they're able to do it either through the air or on the ground. Yeah, and there's also a balance of who the ball is going to. I mean, you know, last year there was games where it felt like if you're not feeding DeAndre Hopkins every series, you don't have a chance to win the game. You had to get the ball in his hands because he was so reliable and he was the big playmaker for this team. Um, you know, seven different receivers caught the ball on Sunday. Um, Kyler spreading it around. Again, it's it makes it nearly impossible for a defense to stop when, um, when you have a tight end who's – playing this well when you know the the targets for this team through three games it's D-Hop 18, AJ Green 18, Chase Edmonds 17, Christian Kirk 17. Um, it's everybody's getting the ball. So who who do you give the attention to? Who do you say, you know, a lot of teams you've got that number one receiver, you can double him and if you can take him out of the game, that's that's your defensive game plan for the week. You can't do that against the Cardinals. Week 1 it was Hopkins, week 2 is Rondell Moore, week 3 it's Kirk and Green. So yeah, what do you do as an opposing team, MJ, when you look at the numbers and you say, well, yeah, we know Hopkins is the number one guy, but there are three, four, five other pass catchers out on the football field that are just as capable and playing just as well. Don't forget Max Williams versus the Vikings. It's a career game, and, and to me, they got a connection there. You know, they're, they're dressed in three tight ends. Normally, Daniels and Harris do play on special teams. So, yeah, I mean, it's pick your poison, but I, I just think in having two outside receivers that can obviously run the right routes, 50-50 balls, and then you got your Kirk playing his natural position. Rondell Moore is kind of a gadget guy, so it's hard to defend 53 and a third yard when you're playing the Cardinals offense. It's going to be maybe even a little bit harder this week. The Rams, a very good defense, and then you factor in what transpired in the second half in Jacksonville with respects to the offensive line. The Cardinals right now dealing with a banged-up offensive line. Calvin Beecham did not play inactive because of a rib injury. Justin Pugh hurts. Justin Murray hurt, both suffering back injuries in that contest. And in comes Max Garcia and Sean Harlow. They played the entire second half, and the offense did not skip a beat. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Tremendous job by those guys. When you look at how we played in the second half offensively to come out and do what they did, we didn't skip a beat. So I was really proud of, of Max Garcia, Sean Harlow. Got asked to step in there and played at a high level. In the second half, Cardinals totaled 252 yards, 14 first downs, two rushing touchdowns, 209 passing yards, did not allow a sack on 20 pass attempts. That's what Harlow and Garcia were able to do on Sunday. The head coach impressed, as was DJ Humphreys. Those two guys that came in, man, we, all of us knew what they were going to do. We've been in this situation. We got hit with COVID in camp, so we had a lot of guys missing. We had a lot of young guys, guys that were backups, getting a lot of reps with the ones that wouldn't have usually got those reps, and it came into our favor today. Uh, me and Sean got reps in, in camp when Pew had COVID, and, and, and uh, it was a lot. We didn't really have to talk about much when he came in, so that was uh, that's, that's always what you hope for when you got backups coming in. Officially, MJ, Justin Pugh, and Justin Murray listed day-to-day with back injuries. We'll see how the week progresses. But for the first time this season, seeing guys come in off the bench, this offensive line looked good. Now the question is, can you sustain that over a period of time or at least for another week until Murray and Pugh are back? It'll be interesting what the availability is with Kelvin Beecham because the Cardinals did have uh, Josh Jones at right tackle, and, and normally he's lined up at right guard. And, and obviously when you have an injury with Murray and, and uh, Pugh, so I wonder, it's really a, probably a pain tolerance. Do they feel like 
not taking the opponent lightly. Do they feel like give them another week to rest? Because you are going against a more physical front in the Rams, so we'll just have to wait to see. But Harlow, he played a ton in the preseason. And then the fact that I'm glad Humphreys mentioned this, that when uh, Pugh was on COVID, he was getting all the reps at left guard. And, you know, I think that really helped him where the game wasn't too big. I'm sure he was excited to get a chance to play. But now he's got to, if he has an entire week, uh, maybe you can try to figure some stuff out. But clearly their Rams front seven is going to be a lot different than they face so far uh, this season. Well, there's just one name to keep an eye on, and that would be Aaron Donald. Kyle, if you're in that offensive line room or the Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury and you have now an offensive line that is banged up with only D.J. Humphreys and Rodney Hudson as your two starters that began the season where they're at and continue to be where they're at, for me, Rodney Hudson is the key to everything on Sunday. Oh, absolutely, and and he's been a key regardless of who they're playing. But w- when you have a guy like Aaron Donald, a guy that by himself can wreck an offensive game plan, um, you know you need that veteran leadership. You need um, you, you really need a stout center, a center that can can block and, and help with the guards, regardless of if it's your starters or backups um, in the game. Um, you know it's. It was really good to see, and we had talked about in the preseason, there's no season, you know, maybe last year, but there, there's no season where depth is more important because you just have always have COVID lingering. You never know when a guy is going to have to miss a game, and, and it's good to see that they had the quality depth and that the guy stepped in that didn't miss a beat and really played well at the end of that Jacksonville game. Um, but, you know, you would hope that, you know, you'd have your starters, particularly on the inside of your line, available um, against a guy like Aaron Donald. I'll say this, though, you know, we would look on paper, Rodney Hudson versus Aaron Donald, but they move him around. He'll line up, uh, you know, across the nose. He'll line up on the outside. Um, They'll move him around, so it's not just like you may have to slide protection. And then they got Leonard Floyd and then Jalen Ramsey. I mean, just like the Cardinals roster, they have some really talented players that are game changers. We might see Kyler Murray roll as opposed to trying to stay in the pocket just to kind of give if there is – Garcia and Harlow on the field once again just to give that offensive line a little bit more help and to utilize Murray's mobility to the Cardinals' advantage. Episode 2 of Cardinals Folktales entitled The Night the Goalpost Vanished is available now on the Cardinals' YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. It's a look at a 1997 tide-turning Cardinals win over the Cowboys where fans celebrated by tearing down the goalposts, dumping them into the Salt Riverbed. Episode 1 of Cardinals Folktales featuring Pat Tillman's legendary locker also available now. Once again, that's youtube.com slash azcardinals. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, we've gone 45 minutes and have not discussed Kyler Murray. Wow, that's how good this team is playing right now. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Kirk is split left. Under center is Murray. Connor the deep back. Second and goal on the one. Murray takes play action, rolling to the left, and Murray will walk into the end zone for the touchdown. And then he sits down and does baby Yoda, even if he denies it. Oh, my goodness, that was lethal right there. And dirty, I might add, to go ahead and run that play fake to James Conner and then just keep it and this time roll out to the left. That was filthy. And he can say he's never watched Star Wars, but this is... Grogu, if you've seen The Mandalorian, it's Grogu. I don't think 
Wolf has seen The Mandalorian, if I remember the broadcast correctly, on Sunday. Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley, yes, Kyler Murray, the one-yard touchdown run. He has three rushing touchdowns this season. That one put the Cardinals ahead 7 to nothing, and the Cardinals go on, beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville 31-19. to As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Rio, Luke Kyle Vandebosch, and Mike Jarecki. Kyler Murray, yes, he has been outstanding, but did not throw a touchdown on Sunday, but still over 300 yards through the air, and the first quarterback in franchise history to throw for 1,000 yards within the first three games of a season, and his completion percentage is off the charts compared to where he was a year ago. So right now, MJ, Kyler Murray doing everything correct within the framework of this offense. Yeah, and right now he's at 76-5. That's about nine points up where he was from last year. Again, small sample. Um, he's averaging about 9.8 yards per attempt. Um, that was more like 6-1-7-2 the last couple of years. So, But when I look at this matchup and – you got to think they've had different coordinators. I don't know if it goes back to Wade Phillips, but you had Brandon Staley. Now you got Raheem Morris and Kyler's zero and four, like the team against the Rams, completing only fifty eight percent of his passes. Now he's got five touchdowns, four interceptions, quarterback rating around seventy six. But it's a different Kyler Murray in his third year, much more weapons. So again, I anticipate the Cardinals could put up points here, but you know you can't turn the ball over. You can't you know get in the red zone. You got to score touchdowns, but. This is a different Kyler Murray than the 0-4 record. I think it is the matchup of the week as far as teams, two 3-0 teams. It's not the storyline of the week. Everyone's focused on what's going to happen Sunday nights in Foxborough. But this matchup, Colin, I'll ask you the same question that I did Rob Fredrickson on Cardinal Talk. We know the series history with Sean McVay. It's going to be asked and talked about all week long, but it spans three different head coaches. 0-8 is the record since 2017. Players are going to hear it. Do players even care? Does it even factor into a, the locker room that this is the team that, for whatever reason, the Cardinals cannot beat? Players don't care. Players don't care about what happened last week. I mean, with themselves, they do. They don't happen about what happened last year. They certainly don't care about what happened three or four years ago. It's a different team. It's a different group of players. Um, you know, I went to Detroit, who was not a good team at the time, and all I had to hear about was road losing streaks and um, you know not beating Green Bay, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to my teammates. Those things don't matter. It, you know, I'm sure um, it will be talked about a lot this week, and Cliff Kingsbury will probably have to answer a lot of questions about it. But um, you know, this this is a different team, and quite frankly, um, like you talked about, um, Kyler's at the top of his game. You know, there was. There was times last year where he could put the ball anywhere he wanted to, and then there was times where he was just off. He was sailing the ball. He was uh, overthrowing wide-open receivers. You don't see that. I mean, he's made a couple of um, ill-advised throws trying to fit it into tight windows, but it's not because of his accuracy. I mean, his accuracy has been on point through three games. Um, and, you know, he's a different player. There's different weapons on this offense. There's different weapons on this defense. Um, you know, nobody cares about um, the records of the head coaches or what the Rams have done to this franchise. They just care that, you know, they need this win to be in the lead in this division. Kyler will go into this contest on an 11 straight passing completion streak he finished Sunday with 11 straight passes completed an 82.4 completion percentage mark on Sunday the best mark of his career 
third highest in franchise history. Can he do it again? Can he get the Cardinals over the hump on Sunday when Aaron Donald and the Rams are standing in the way? Speaking of Mr. Donald, here's Kingsbury on the thoughts on the Cardinals' defensive linemen. They're really good. I mean, y'all have watched them play the first three weeks, and um, Aaron Donald's as good a football player as I've ever seen in my life, and he's really uh, been dominant in, in the previous uh, games that we've had with him, and, and we got to find a way to try and slow him down. I mean, you're not going to stop him, but you try to slow him down as best you can, and um, they have a host of others that are playing at a really high level. I think um, they've done a great job, Raheem coming in and uh, building off what they started last year with the new scheme, and um, it's, a, it's a real challenge. Well, one of those new faces, you got to talk about the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, someone that McVay wanted, MJ, and now has, and nine touchdown passes to just one interception and 70% completion percentage. Stafford looks like the perfect fits in that Rams offense. Yeah, and that was one of the big off-season moves, you know, uh, when it went down. And obviously, things couldn't be official until the first day of the league season. But you know, Sean McVay has been said, "I needed a partner. I didn't need a, a student." So that's probably a shot at Jared Goff, even though he did take him to the Super Bowl. But when McVay's in rhythm, they're going to be hard to stop. They got weapons. Um, they seems like they're always one play ahead, and that's that's going to be for the Cardinals. Um, you know, the front seven. They're going to have to try to put pressure on and make them uncomfortable because. You know, can he win a big game? I know he's been in the postseason, but he hasn't had a great postseason record. How is he against teams that have over 500 record? And the thing with the Rams is they play the Cardinals this week, then they play the Seahawks, then they got the Giants, Lions, and Texans. So this would be a great time to give them their first loss, and it would mean a whole lot winning on the road again, winning a division game, and then teeing it up the following week. So their schedule is very favorable. After the uh, after the next two weeks, Rams coming off a 34-24 home win over the Buccaneers and getting Stafford out of Detroit, Kyle, and now in a major market as far as Los Angeles, where all eyes are, and I think more and more people are understanding. Football people know, but I think the casual fan is understanding how good of a quarterback Matthew Stafford is. Yeah, one of my favorite teammates um, that I've played with, and yeah, he he really was one of the most underrated players in the league, and a lot of it was um, they just we didn't have a lot of success in Detroit. Uh, but he's a smart quarterback. Um, in spite of early injuries in his career, he is tough. I mean, he will play through injuries, and he can spin the ball as well as any other quarterback. I mean, he can he can really throw it and put it just about anywhere on the football field. So, um, you know, I'm happy for him and his success. I you know, it's it's a good fit for him. Um, I just hope he plays a bad game this week. <laughs> from what you know of him as a teammate and then just watching from afar, why is it a good fit for Stafford in this McVay offense? Um, well, just because of how accurate he is. Um, you know, I think that was one of the things with Goff is he wasn't always accurate, wasn't always able to throw the ball down the field. Um, and, you know, that's that's what Sean McVay wants to do. Um, he's also very smart. And you look at some of these route combinations that the Rams receivers run. Um, you know, it's not just slants and curls and go routes. They're running some, you know, routes that require some timing and some understanding of what the coverage is and, and where the open receiver is going to be. Um, and they've been able to take advantage of it. I mean, they've, they've um, you know, schemed receivers wide open in some of these games early in the season. You've got Cooper Cup, who's their leading receiver, but I count six, seven different players, MJ, 
receivers, pass catchers, that are averaging better than 10 yards a catch. And with Daryl Henderson not playing last week, maybe questionable going into this week with a rib injury, this is a, an offense, talking about the Rams, that is not afraid to just drop back and let Matthew Stafford pick you apart. No, and, and Sonny Michel's kind of a you know a guy that can do a lot. He can catch the ball in the backfield. Um, they do draw, run some draw plays, but Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, they've been on fire. 25 receptions, 367 yards, five touchdowns. They also have Robert Woods. We know how effective he could be in the open field. They added Deshaun Jackson. Uh, they tried to hook up with him early in the game. Couldn't connect, and then eventually he got a 75-yarder. So, yeah, if you're the Cardinals' defense, you want to keep everything in front of you easier said than done when you look at Stafford's arm strength. And maybe perhaps the same, Kyle, can be said when you're the Rams' defense looking at the Cardinals' offense as far as the upgrades, the pass catchers. And, yeah, we fully expect DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey one-on-one for much of the game, if not the entire game. But do the Rams have the necessary tools in the secondary outside of Aaron Donald to cover everyone that the Cardinals have? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, this you're right, this might not be the most talked about matchup of the weekend, but it should be. I mean, this this will be an exciting game to watch. I think um, even the casual football fan that doesn't have an interest in either team will be glued to the TV set because there's going to be a lot of fireworks. 8.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins. Kickoff from SoFi Stadium, 1 o'clock here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And, then, of course, we'll be talking about it one week from today here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Jeff Darge. For Mike Jarecki, Cobb Ennebosch, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time. First division matchup of the season, Cardinals at the Rams in week four. This has, the, this has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.